Pod 351. Welcome to the podcast edition of the, uh, the show, Eric Chase and the fam. Hi, Miss Alex. Hey. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm a lot of things today. As crabby as I am? Oh, my God. You know, I feel like I need more guidance on how to not let people get under your skin. I know we've talked about this before, but there's just... I absolutely hate it. So people get under my skin and then I get pissed that I let people get under my skin. So then I'm double mad. Yeah, I get it. It's a, <laughs> it, 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 it's happened too much. I've read it too much over the last eight months. And I want to find a more eloquent, artful way to put it. Yes. People have said, you know, being empathetic is, is really exhausting and really painful. And a lot of people have gone through emotions and things that they never endured over the last eight months. Yeah. But I feel like that there's a more enlightened way to go about it. Maybe I'm just trying to be too snobby or elitist and that's that. Um, in fact, well, I, I just, I just had to shut somebody off who I, I, I like, I'm just overwhelmed with this, with your stuff coming at me. Like I don't want it right now. Yeah. I just, and I think that there probably is a really like reasonable way to have the conversation and, but it's just, there's nothing that's landing with me. And I, I'm like a mental health professional. So you would think that I could, I could find a way to have this, you know, to work through these things. But I'm just like, when you get under my skin, you get under my skin and you stay there. <laughs> like, Is it a person or a thing? It's a person. Person. Okay. It's a um, person. I have, um, a, I have a place and my... My only solace for the most part is that, that I will bounce back no matter how low I get. Yeah. Um, something will snap me out of it and it doesn't last forever. And that that's really like low level stuff. But for the most part, it works for me. In fact, today, I, I, would, I wasted yesterday. Um, not completely unusual, but I could feel myself. And I, I mentioned <laughs> this to you like recently. I was like, wow, not having the old hours has done wonders for me. And then I'm getting punched real hard by it. Maybe it's... The weather, that's usually a thing when the weather really turns, but other stuff. But today, had I not recognized, oh shit, I've got to send out the good grief emails. Oh yeah. I would have done my very best to sleep till noon. When I had, I had, uh, when I set my alarm for five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you do set your alarm for five o'clock? Today, considering that I, I, I wasted yesterday, I like to bounce back early and I quick. See. So my alarm was set for Honestly, it was set for 5.10. Don't ask me why it was 5.10. But I set my alarm for 5.10. I was up at 4 and I said, hey Siri, she's going to come off now. I said, I, I said, hey Siri, um, turn off my alarm. So she turned off my alarm and then at like 7 I was like, oh shit, I've got to ask people for money today. <laughs> and, and, had the good, and I could have sent the good grief thing at any time. But had I not needed to do that, knowing that one... Um, I, I, I have committed to doing this and two, by sending out all those asks, it would probably help me out and, and maybe help me bounce out of a funk. But if not for that, I would have rolled into work today shortly before the show at three o'clock. You know, it, it reminds me a lot of where we were at in like April and in May when, um, I was having a hard, I was having a hard time with motivation for work. And at one point you know, I have to approve payroll and you have to have it done by a certain day and a certain time. And normally I'm on it and they had to call me and they're like, Hey, you didn't approve payroll. And I had completely forgotten about it. And I don't do that. So I knew I was off my game and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? 
like, but it's kind of the same thing. I mean, Thomas and I were on opposite corners of the ring yesterday fighting with each other. And, and until the end of the day, I was just like, truce. Like, I didn't even want to talk it out. Like, just truce. And he said, truce. And we were done. Good. <laughs> I, I had the, the thought a couple of weeks ago, and I forget why I had it, but it was like, marry somebody, be with somebody who you can enjoyably and not violently fight with. There's some, you know, real high-minded way of, of expressing that a lot better than I just did. But yeah, be with somebody who you can fight with. Yeah, I mean, it, well, we had to learn. I mean, that was, we absolutely, within the first couple of years, first year at least of our relationship, I had to teach him how I wanted to be fought with, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, which was rough. But now we've gotten to that point where it was like, this wasn't the greatest weekend for us. And at the end of the day, yesterday on Sunday, I was like, listen, can we call a truce and be and be done and like move on? And he's like, yes, please. <laughs> so it was just like, it's also my lady time. So I'm just all around cranky. Let me uh, let me do a quick traffic report here. It was chaos to start the day. Oh, geez. And uh, yeah, like seriously, like the three accidents piled up on top of each other. Here we go. All right. Um, oh, I'm glad you and uh, Thomas are, are good to go. Are you going to pick that back up or just leave that one in the rear view? Oh, no. I mean, I'm sure it'll manifest itself in another, on another day in another way a couple months from now. We tend to have the same fight over and over again. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> but no, we're fine. We're, I mean, I got I to gotta kiss goodbye this morning, so that's how I know we're good. Um, let me go back to uh, part of the, the good grief stuff. And remember what you and I were, were talking about on the phone, I guess, Thursday Yes. There was a place that was uh, that was upsetting to me, and we were you were helping me um, look forward a little bit, and, mm-hmm. and I told you that um, one of the things or two of the things that I'm really bad at with doing that kind of thing, I was texting um, with a friend of mine, and she had the same suggestion, like you need to get out on the speaking circuit. I'm like, right. You know that I'm actually. She had suggested getting uh, improving as a speaker and. I was expecting her to kind of fight with me on this, but I'm like, I'm good with speaking. Um, mm-hmm. It's the promoting myself, and then she interrupted me via text. She's like, "Oh yeah, you're not good at you're not good at promoting yourself and asking for money." So, um, that's- well, I think it's a certain amount of like for promoting yourself, you would have to like you think highly of yourself, but you're not a bragger by any means. Right. That's why I'm very delicate on the air and in the podcast where. Because I've said, as I've tried to uh, get people interested in good grief, that it sounds ridiculous for me to go, I really don't like talking about myself and I don't want, I don't endeavor to be arrogant. But this mm-hmm. is kind of like, I talk for a living for, for the most part. So anything that comes out of my mouth, it, it, it's not often going to sound filled with humility or, or being humble. But you know the difference because we're close friends and, and there is a right. difference. Right. Yeah, Man, no, it, was, there is. it was funny how she zinged right in there with like, oh, yeah, you have a hard time. Because actually, I had to chase her down for money that she owed me. Oh, <laughs> and that's the worst. She she had to give it to me because of who she worked for. She like had to pay me. And I was like, not a big deal. Not a big deal. I'm like, just buy me some coffee. She's like, I have to pay you. Oh, so yeah. I figured a nice step in that direction was today. Um, so that's how, that, that goes to show you how much uh, Dorothy and, and things at Good Grief mean to me. For me to not yeah, directly agreed. ask you for money, but to go, hey, look this over and consider throwing some money that way. But I think it's extremely thoughtful in how you went about doing it because you are acknowledging that we're all experiencing difficulty. So even if you can only give $5, like $5 is completely acceptable. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's that's a thoughtful way to go about doing it, because I don't think I think now more than ever is the time I was just having this conversation with someone else. And I'm like, I know that we're in a difficult time, but this is also the very time that people might be willing to give to another group or another organization because they know, you know, they everybody is well aware of what is happening to our community and to our country, you know. Yeah. And if you I guess the three places that I work with. Uh, most closely, NAMI, uh, Jen and the Suicide Prevention Coalition, mm-hmm. which has been a little squirrely for the things that we do and that we're good at being in, in front of people, and then the Out of the Darkness Walk. And mm-hmm. I've kind of prefaced what I've done, at least on the air anyway. Think back. Have I ever asked you for a single dollar? And the answer should be no. Um, right. I just ask you to support these things or get involved. But I get two answers most of the time with good grief. It's uh, I'm so excited to have found out about them or I wish I knew about them sooner. And mm-hmm. those two signals made it a lot easier for me to go, hey, consider throwing a couple of bucks at them because it's not just some nonprofit that can go in one ear out the other. They're so unique and so different and so helpful, especially to kids and teens. And I think now, more again, another, another way to bring it back is there's more people, I mean, people are experiencing loss at an alarming rate. Like it's going to be hard to meet someone who has not lost somebody personal to them in 2020. Every day we get a death total, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So um, I just, I love Good Grief and Dorothy and the rest of the team. And I think it's a great organization. And I think that you, you know, asking for people to support, you know, is perfectly acceptable. Otherwise, I still suck at asking people for money, though, and promoting myself. That's why we have to continue to work on that uh, that, uh, yes. that thing in the distance for me. But um, we're gonna we're gonna lean on your supports, uh, on your community supports in this conversation. <laughs> uh, no, we're oh in that conversation, yes, but not that conversation here. Let's no, talk, definitely not. Let's talk about uh, about movie stuff. So I watched Borat. We'll come back to that. You watched Witches. I did watch Witches. And. I love Octavia Spencer. I loved the little boy that played the main character. I love the kids just in general. I was not, I don't know if I was a little annoyed at Anne Hathaway. I don't know. I just thought like their depiction of the witches or witches were kind of gross. I don't know. Does uh, that make sense? No, because well, was there, <laughs> was there a 1990 movie of the book? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think there was. So I don't need much to dissuade me from getting into something. I, I don't live and die by ratings or reviews. I scan through them and then I plug them into my computer, my brain, the computer. It spits out, out an algorithm and then it tells me whether to watch something or not. And mm-hmm. what dissuaded me from um, going in on Witches this weekend, which is on my list, unless you guys come back, unless my core people come back and say, you got to watch this. Um so I read on a website where I read news. It's called Vox.com. Roald mm-hmm. Dahl was an anti-Semitic, misogynistic misanthrope. Did not know that. Um, <laughs> he was a profound anti-Semite, perpetuating anti-Semitic tropes and falsehoods like that of Jewish people controlling the economy and publishing industry. In 1983, at 67, he told the New Statesman that Jewish people provoke animosity and blame them for being too submissive to fight back during the Holocaust. I mean, there's always a reason why anti-anything crops up anywhere. Even a stinker like Hitler didn't just pick on them for no reason. So reading through that, I'm like, you know what? I can put this aside. And <laughs> I'm glad that you watched When reading through other reviews, it, there's also um, an, a, a black aspect to it as well. Um, 
to the to the film, like an undertone? Well, it's in Alabama, right? So It is in Alabama, yes. There's something more about in race the 60s. in this Yeah, there's something more about race in this version than I guess was the original version. Did did you like what you watched other than I know Anne Hathaway can for what's come out about her over the years that she can be I guess a little unfriendly. I get why she's she can be an acquired taste or an acquired distaste. I did not. I mean, if there was like racial undertones or something so a message to pick up I didn't I didn't I wasn't looking okay. <laughs> and I didn't I was like again I was watching it to escape my annoyance from the weekend so I just was not on it um I mean other than the fact that Octavia Spencer and the young man the young boy no I really don't I didn't pick up on it. I don't, they were, I know that they pry on, you know, the witches were prying on children and children that nobody cared about. Okay. And they had their eyes set on this little boy. A black um, boy, right? A, a black boy who reminded, oh my God, when I tell you, I was, I, sl- I was slightly emotional while watching the movie and I actually posted something about my dad while I was watching it because he looks just like my dad did at that age. Identical. I was looking for the picture of my dad to like put side by side with this kid. And it was in the 60s and they were playing all of my dad's favorite songs. So I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) But it was it was interesting. I don't know. I didn't pick up on it at all, but I wasn't looking. So maybe I'll go look for those conversations. Maybe it's just the modern setting. Uh, I'm going back to this article from Vox and Dahl's version. The boy, I'm guessing it's that boy, is originally Norwegian and encounters witches after moving to England with his cigar smoking Granny, so oh, maybe it was just modernized, modernized slightly for contemporary times and things that are happening, and yeah. isn't exactly over the top or in your face about it. No, definitely not. And I love Octavia Spencer. I like I like her anyway. She was giving me Minnie vibes from The Help when she played Minnie. Mm-hmm. Did, did you know Minnie don't burn no chicken? She was giving me Minnie vibes, and I she was just so like fun and warm i she she did really well in that movie i really liked her and stanley tucci's in it right who that bald guy glasses yes yes i love him yes he is in it he his character was annoying more than anything Re- he i i love him as an actor i had uh tweeted something earlier because one of my five favorite actors so uh there is a marvel role that um it's it's a jewish guy he's a jewish mercenary and he's got um, uh, dissociative identity disorder, multiple personalities. Oof. And with all, he's my second favorite Marvel character. And I'm not, not going to get too nerdy with this. Um, but I, I have quietly said, you know, it would be great if they cast. His name is Mark Spector. Uh, if you can, and it's Mark with a C, so it, it, it has Jewish tones to it. Mm. I was hoping they would cast a Jewish Stop, actor. Stop, guys. Stop. You know, Sorry. representation and all. Um, in fact, that didn't happen at all, but one of my very favorite, five favorite living actors was cast for the role, Oscar Isaac. <gasps> Ooh, I like Oscar Isaac. Yeah, so he was cast in the role, not Jewish. Um, uh, there was a time three or five years ago where many thought Shia LaBeouf would be good for the role. One, mm-hmm. because he's had some mental struggles. Mm-hmm. Two, he's Jewish. But, you know, I can I can throw representation away or my desire for it when it's someone so talented that I, that I really like. And Stanley, Stanley Tucci, not in the top five, but in the top ten. And when he's on a cast, it gets my attention. I like Stanley Tucci. Um, I did watch this weekend, and I don't think I messaged you about it. I definitely intended to. I watched The Trial of the Chicago 7. And? loved it so good loved it loved it loved it 
I laughed out loud. Um, I I got the text message when you sent me the text quoting, is it Yaya is his name? Shame on Yaya me for not Abdul knowing Yaya Abdul-Mateen? Yes. So I really loved, um, I'm like, this guy is a, he's a genius in what he does because he, he acts at so many different levels. Um, I really love it. I mean, I thought it was so good. It's the same. So did you watch The West Wing? No. Okay. Probably before your time. but My parents Aaron, did. It, so I was going to say they might like this, but <laughs> never mind. Um, Aaron Sorkin, I guess, is the, the mastermind behind all these courtroom things and, and uh-huh. political things. So he did The West Wing, but he also did A Few Good Men. Have you seen that? No. Okay. A Few Good I Men, I, I feel like it's timeless. And everybody, even people your age and younger know, you can't yeah. handle the truth. And... That movie, when it comes to like that kind of setting, is a ten. This mm-hmm. movie is, I'm I'm grading it on the Aaron Sorkin curve. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie is like a six and a half, but it's still very good, simply because there's so many familiar faces in it, and I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. It made me feel. I always love a movie that makes me feel emotions too. So, um, like when I watched, um, oh Jesus, the name is escaping me. Ava DuVernay with the with the boys from Central Park. Right, the Central Park um, Five. Yes. Yeah, so when I watched that movie, I, I felt so many emotions that I was I still do when I talk about it. So I really love movies um, and shows that make me feel a certain way. I was furious at the judge, and I'm like, did this really happen? Like, is this like what on earth? I didn't know anything about this, and um, yeah, I loved I. I loved the actors that they chose to um, portray these roles. Um, I thought it was fantastic. And then I was really sad at the end when they were giving updates on the on the gentleman and like who passed away, who took their own life, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I thought that was awful. I read briefly. So Frank Langella is the judge. He's obviously the protagonist. No, the antagonist mm-hmm. that you you want to dislike because he's the embodiment of every like yes. person of that age, of that skin color, who dislikes mm-hmm. anybody else. And, and he played it really well. I had read somewhere that this might be like an Oscar strike for him. Mm. And I don't know if I would throw it in that league, but I, I certainly detested the judge character, especially after they did the one thing to um, Abdul Mateen's character, which, mm-hmm. which may or may not have really happened to whatever degree. But the fact that if that happened only like 40, 50 years ago is disgusting in an American courtroom. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, too, I liked him in that role because you could still, like, while he was on the opposite team, you know, he was still, he knew what was right. You You could see his uneasiness. You you could see how uneasy he was compared to the other person who just falls in line, his his co-counsel, you know, who just fell in line and wasn't bothered by any of it. And it's like, that's humanity. Like, I feel like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, whatever, Joseph Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. He, you know, you could see the humanity, and I think it's a good example today for what we're going through right now. In that, you know, we can be on opposite teams and we can have opposite views, but like, there's still humanity. And where is your humanity? You know what I mean? They, there's a lot of. If you watch a few Good Men, and I'm gonna guess that it, it still resonates. Mm-hmm. If you can throw out the fact that there's not much technology, it's just a courtroom drama. I'm curious to see if, if you enjoy it. Um, I'll tell you this, that the prosecutor in that case and what's going on there, you see, mm-hmm. and it's Kevin Bacon's character, and you, you can see that Joseph Gordon-Levitt may or may not have taken some of that humanity okay. while being on that side of the courtroom in the same way because you can see it in Kevin Bacon's character. That yeah. he, he knows that the, the guys on trial 
we're just following orders. Yeah. But he is sworn to a variety of codes and his profession must must uphold them, at least until certain parts of it where he's like, I'm out. Like, I lost the case, so it's time to be a good human. Can you hear Petey going to town on his bone in the background? A little bit. It sounds like somebody's playing with pots and pans. Okay, I'll put it um, away One other, well, actually two other things. Um, let me make a note here. Uh, Borat was so good and... I, I shouldn't be surprised that <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen was able to capture all of that from 14 years ago and and transmit it again to perfection today. And I'm wondering, so I lived in, in major metropolitan areas back then. Um, so people that I connect with got it. I'm curious if people that I connect with now can watch that movie and get the jokes mm-hmm. as opposed to being blissfully ignorant and, and appalled because our uh, spoiler here, first of all, you should watch it for the laughs and portrayal anyway. Um, two things. One of the main villains is Karen. <laughs> I saw that. So I saw the big blow up that looked like the Trump baby that, that um, yep. uh-huh, I've seen that. Instead of the running of the Jew in the first one. Have you seen the first one? The first Borat? I have seen bits and pieces. I do know the running of the Jew, though. Okay, and it looks like a, a vampire, like some kind of yeah. demon. So <laughs> that the Jew has been replaced by Karen, and <laughs> Borat's going, she's looking awful racist-y. It's <laughs> super hysterical, even if I tell you the whole plot. But there is a... And I'm, t- I'm really throw... Here's one giveaway that I'm, I'm wondering if people will or will not get. So, um, obviously... The Holocaust is one of the the Holocaust is the highest holiest day of the year for Kazakhstan because all the Jews died, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a part in in the plot where uh, his daughter is finding out what was and wasn't true in in the history of Kazakhstan, and then um, hold on, I'm getting a text. I hope this isn't a bad one. Yes, uh, it's a good text message. Okay. So Borat comes to believe that the Holocaust didn't happen and he just breaks down like I would tell you that like your dogs were killed it's that kind of emotional breakdown and then I'm giving the plot away but and again this is where I want to see if people that I connect with now will ever get it did I lose you Alex I was wondering what happened yeah I got a call that came through I was wondering what the hell happened to you so (laughs) after Borat and, and again, it's absolute genius, and it's so timely for everything that's going on. In fact, two things I believe did happen uh, during the pandemic: uh, a, a Pence rally and the Rudy Giuliani thing. Like yeah. this happened smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. But to go back to, so Borat is devastated, thinking the Holocaust didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So he decides to he decides to kill himself. How does he do that? He says he's going to go to the closest synagogue and wait for the next synagogue shooting. He also dresses up as a Jew. And what he does is he puts like this long prosthetic on his nose that is at least two feet long. He also has uh, like uh, he's some kind of puppeteer of a rich person. Uh, he, that's on one hand. And on the other hand, he's got a bag of money. And oh my God. he goes to the synagogue and the, the old two Jewish ladies there are completely accepting of him. And they actually, they, they, they sympathize with him. They feel bad for him. You're not Jewish people. We welcome everybody, even if you hate us and want to kill us. And uh, he, they have a hug and he lets them kiss him. He's like, please don't poison me. Please, please don't get me with your venom. And 
I just wonder if people that are close to me now will get all the jokes because they're they're Borat bad, bad. Like you can't say the Holocaust didn't happen. And if you don't get the context, you will just be you will shut it off. You know, I saw um, him do an interview where he was explaining his motivation and his intention behind all of his work. So I feel like I would probably pick up on it just because I know um, that, you know, he's going in a direction to make humor out of things that are like absolutely true and, and you know what I mean, or that are happening um, in some kind of way. Speaking of which, did you see, you probably didn't, and I should share it with you at some point. Um, did you see all the drama that happened in Cleveland with that person walking around with a, a rifle? No, I was completely out of the news this weekend. There was, um, and it was in a Cleveland Heights neighborhood, which traditionally has a very large Jewish, pop Jewish population. Um, there was a gentleman that was, he was wearing um, him. You could see him and his son and he had on like a long coat and he had a rifle on his back and he took a picture and he was walking around the neighborhoods with the rifle on his back saying he was, you know, observing his second amendment, right. You know, Ugh. walking around the neighborhoods and then allegedly, you know, he was quoted by multiple news sources where he said he was going around, he was going to be killing black people. And I'm like, Oh no, no. And I just saw so much hate and ignorance going around, um, my social media feed about what was said, what wasn't said and just, you know, it, it was not helpful to the conversation, if that makes, if that makes any sense. I, it's, um, just, it's just because everything is very heavy on me right now. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I actually said to myself today, I'm ready to be back past next week and like the month after. And, <laughs> and I, I never say that because, you know, I've looked at this through the lens of entertainment, but I'm, I'm kind of done with it. And it's just because I'm in a, I'm in a weak place right now. Yeah. So then I won't share it with you. Then that was a good choice. Then I was like, oh, I'll talk to you about it another time. I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. La last entertainment thing. Um, do you watch The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? I do, and I'm so upset that it was canceled. Well, okay, so there's a trailer for the last part mm -hmm. of it, or season four, or last part, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. and uh, people are hyped about that. And I guess I guess it starts on on New Year's Eve. It comes back. Oh, they always they always come back on like a holiday. They came back on Halloween once, and oh, I don't remember when the other one was. I really love that show. Is it possible for it to be something that Netflix created, but another network can pick it up? Yeah. Yeah. I need another network to pick it up that's not um, Freeform or the CW. <laughs> uh, you need an adult network to pick it up, not the CW? Yeah, maybe FX. Ooh, FX. Oh, that would be great. So, uh, 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 I watched a movie a couple of weeks ago called The Black Code's Daughter. It's part of, uh, it's an A24 production, and they're like this independent horror film company, and whenever they do something, it's... It's truly chilling and frightening, and, and it provokes a lot of thought. So I try to watch as many of their movies as they can. I watched this movie a couple weeks ago. It's from 2015 called The Black Coat's Daughter. Uh, Emma Roberts is in it, and so is Kiernan Shipka. If I'm oh, not a young one. If I'm not mistaken, she plays um, Sabrina. She does play Sabrina. So I know Floyd was all up my butt to watch Sabrina at some point. Now knowing that I really like that actress, I might get into it at some point. I feel like it probably won't be your thing, but you know, it, give it give it a go. Is it too CWified? I don't think so. No, I think it's actually, and I really, I wonder if you and I will love the same character because there's one specific character, and I'll give away it's a her. So I really adore her. Um, 
but no, I don't think so. I don't think it's CWified at all, but there is, um, that's why I said, I don't want the CW to pick it up. There's a lot of Riverdale, um, crossovers specifically. Cause I think the town that they're in is like, I forget, but they're in a town that is in the same area as Riverdale. And they talk about it, like going to Riverdale or so there, there's, which I find to be interesting considering one is Netflix and one is the CW. Um, but it's same producer. Oh yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of like crossover with Riverdale and I don't love Riverdale and I would rather the chilling adventures be a lot darker and a lot more American horror story than Riverdale. That's what, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, Sabrina that Floyd told me to watch. It was Riverdale and that's why I didn't watch it. Cause yeah, I, no. I, I gave up on all the corny CW stuff. Yeah. Super corny. Can't, don't like it. Don't like it. I mean, I, uh, I watch it when I was bored and I'm like, Oh, okay. Jughead. He's cute. <laughs> uh, Ch- Chilling Adventures is, is who I thought. It's by uh, Greg Berlanti. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's part of it. And that dude has, he is like the male white version of, uh, who's the ABC lady? With Sh- Gre- Shonda Love. Yes. Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, Speaking you, of which, we'll if, talk about that another day. If you look up uh, Greg Berlanti, he's responsible for all those CW shows and like many, many more. But what's the Shonda Rhimes thing? She left ABC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw I saw why. But you know, there was a disagreement. Was it over money or shows or rights? There was a small disagreement, but she spoke to, like, this is a larger issue. This was just a straw that broke the camel's back. Apparently something that had to do with Disney tickets. Like, she wanted... Yeah, she went to Disney World or Disneyland, <laughs> and she, she wanted... She got comped some tickets. Yeah, yeah, she didn't get comped enough, and she called some executive, and some executive was like, you've had enough, and... I, I did read that story, but you know what I was thinking? This, I was thinking she's been there a long time. It was probably best to move on to a, a new adventure anyway. She did say that there had been a lot leading up to that. Like there was a, you know, much bigger problems and issues that she had been dealing with over time. And she just, she, she kind of felt like uh, purposeless, I guess. And she was feeling low about it and she wasn't feeling motivated or I think inspired. And so I'm curious what's going to happen now that she's... So does that mean like the, her sh- her shows are going to be sent to Netflix? I don't know. Those are some very arcane and inscrutable agreements with things. Right. She's probably allowed some things, but not all things. Um, or she's going to she's gonna bring out some new shows on Netflix. Those will stay where they are in the new... Because they're on their wit's end anyway. Like Grace has got what? Like right. two or three seasons left. Um, and then she'll create new shows that are on Netflix that will have sex scenes in them. Yay. Yeah. And, um, she'll probably like be so, she'll probably work off of a spite to make sure that they're even better than <laughs> what any, anything she's ever produced. So I'm looking forward to it. I think she's a creative genius. Shame on Disney for being shitty over, uh, some tickets. Although I don't know, like just because she's Shonda Rhimes doesn't mean that she Grimes Rhimes doesn't mean she has rights to everything she wants just when she says she wants it. Not implying that's what she was doing, but and and shame on all of us for not re- recognizing there was a, a supremely talented female black director before Ava DuVernay. Oh, I I mean I feel like she's gotten some yeah she's gotten but Shonda has done fictional stuff. She hasn't really done. I mean, she Ava is telling true stories, but she's also doing fantasy. Like, she, absolutely, yeah. I guess you can say that. Because uh, she's been doing this for you know, Grace is how many Long ever years? Time. How many ever years old now? And maybe it's because she didn't do as many black specific 
pieces of entertainment as Ava DuVernay has. So, yeah. but people need to recognize that Shonda Rhimes is a very successful black female woman in a very male-dominated world going back quite a ways. So, she's got a really great story, and I love the work that she produces. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me knock out one more traffic report, and we'll do one more thing and wrap it up. Okay. Okay. All right. Last thing, and we don't have to draw this out too far. Uh, the other day on on Facebook, you'd never think something outrageous or or frustrating would happen there. Um, <laughs> My friend, by the way, I my vote has been counted and tabulated. A friend of mine on Twitter gave me the link to track my mailed-in vote. And mm-hmm. it says counted. I'm guessing counted for the Board of Elections, who, whosever website I checked, the state of Ohio, their version of counted and my version of counted is the same. So that pleases me. But a friend of mine on a Saturday said, hey, she voted. And, and our views completely aligned, but I was just messing around. And I said, who did you vote for? And somebody that I don't know commented, really, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we left privacy of who we voted for in like 1989 or 1995. Um, I, yeah, it's usually, yeah. Most of the time, though, like when you're talking with somebody, it's almost a like for me, it's almost a given. Like, right. I don't I, you know, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to knowingly ask somebody who you voted for if I think they voted for Trump, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't know. Was it an older person that said, really, what was their demographic? I, I don't know. But my friend said that she voted for me, which I know who she voted for. And I was just like I, said, <laughs> I had no idea. I have not come across my votes is my are my privacy kind of person in a lot like I remember in the 90s that was a, a big thing to voter privacy but I, I remember just thinking last week I guess there's a lot of silent Trump voters two people there one, is, one, yeah. one person and another article turned me on to this silent Trump voter and they don't want to vocally share their support because they yeah. don't want to deal with any kind of blowback. However, shouldn't that make you go, if this blowback bothers me, maybe I should reconsider who I'm voting for? Well, that was how it happened in 2016. It was the silent voters. It was the ones who weren't getting in Facebook arguments over it, didn't have a bumper sticker on their car or or a um, sign in their yard. And they were the ones that were going to the polls and voting for this person. Um, And that's obviously that's my concern for this year as well. But that's another conversation for another day. Do you know what I would have said to this woman, though, if she would have responded to Alex this weekend and I would have said something like that? I would have said, mind your damn business, bitch. <laughs> like, go on. That kind of I weekend. Can... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it's that kind of weekend. It's that kind of mood. Mind your business. Like, keep your keep your conservative. We don't talk about who we vote for views over there. Or I don't I don't care who who you're voting for. But the idea of privacy around it, if there's one good thing that's come from this everybody look at me generation that's that's spawned in the last 15 years, you should be proud of who you voted for. Um, You should be prideful in it. And if you don't have that kind of pride, maybe you should reconsider your vote. And that goes for anybody. Right. Um, And. The, uh, and the silent Trump voter to me was not that person that you mentioned because that person that won helped him win that election four years ago, I think was the uncounted person out in all the rural areas. Um, I See, think, I think they were counted. You mean like as in they never they never went and voted? 
No, 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 no. The people oh. that just wouldn't participate in polls because they don't yes, they don't live absolutely. the technology world. I I look at the silent uh, Trump voter actually is a, a, a friend, a person that I know. Mm-hmm. She's like that because all the all the the stuff that he's really incendiary about, she dislikes. But economically and financially speaking. He's better for what she does. And I, I get that. And I can support that to a certain degree. But the idea of having some kind of shame for mm-hmm. who you support, you should either reconsider who your social circle is or reconsider who your candidate is. Well, I think that there's I think the rebuttal to that is going to be, um, well, you know, anytime somebody comes out and says that they support this candidate, then they're labeled as racist or they're, you know, they're la- they're given all of these labels. And it's like. You know, there is you at least with people you care about, not people you have no concern about. But if I know somebody in my life that is voting for Trump, I do want to flesh out how they feel about all of the things he has done and said that has directly offended me. People that look like me, you know, I do want to know how you feel about those things. I think it warrants a conversation because there's a ton, you know, behind this this candidate that um is nasty, ugly, divisive, and hurtful to people, whether you he knows them directly or not. And, you know, there's some people who do support those things. And it's important, you know, and that that deserves a conversation, because I think it's reasonable to, to determine, is this somebody I want in my life? And I think that, like, everybody says, like, you should be able to have relationships with people who think differently than you. We have this conversation all the time. Like, nope, if you feel like racism is cool, <laughs> like, then that's not just something we disagree on. Like, that's fundamental. And I don't need to have you in my life. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that it's extremely fair that if there is that difference, then at some point, there's a reasonable conversation that's had where you can flesh out those things. I personally had somebody in my life where I found out and I did not know this. And it was told to me in like a gentle way because I think they thought that I was going to freak out, which I didn't. But they were like, you know, so-and-so is actually voting for Trump. And I, <laughs> we're all like, what? <laughs> like in our minds, it was it was like, what? What? If anybody, like, <laughs> if anybody listening, to, and I don't think there is, but if, if you know anybody who... Uh, plans to vote uh, for Trump and, and Republican on election day or if they're they're working on their ballot now and you know for a fact that they that they don't hate people who don't look like them let mm-hmm. me know they clearly have a lot of money and I'll ask them to donate to good grief so exactly that's that's so funny good good plug and that and that was that was actually the response to the conversation was like it was something related to money. And I'm like, I can't speak to that issue. I have not experienced that. I don't know anyone that's experienced that. So I can't really say. Um, and I, I chose not to educate on the importance of voting, who you vote for within your own districts and who your representatives are and who your senators are, because those are the ones that are going to be making sure you get money or you don't, not necessarily a president, but cool. Um, so it was, but it was just, it was an interesting conversation that like we as friends had to had to figure out how we were going to cope with. Like, I don't know what's harder, coping with somebody who is so frustrated that they don't want to vote or coping with somebody who is voting for somebody that I feel deep down is just an awful human being. The latter, because there's there's outward hate there as opposed to ambivalence or yeah. frustration. I am um, not one to shame somebody who isn't voting. Like, I, I do think you should vote, 
but I'm not just going to outright shame you for it. I didn't I didn't vote in um there's been elections that I didn't vote in. I guess the biggest one would be 2012. I didn't vote because the dude didn't need me. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, uh-huh. I was in Michigan at the time. I don't even know if I was registered, but he he didn't he didn't need me. I mean I mean and this is the tease for tomorrow. So I think we both have a great disdain for the electoral college. But I heard something that was quite reassuring on a, on a podcast that I listened to on Friday, and I'm wondering um, how this will all play out. And the tease is, uh, if Texas is actually in any kind of play, like that should be scary as anything for any Republican. And that's the tease for tomorrow. Oh, ooh, am I? Are we doing tomorrow? You want to do tomorrow? Well, Janet will be on. Yeah. But, oh Jesus. Katie will be on. That. Um, can I say something really quickly? I yeah. want to give a f- Oh my god. Hi Thomas. I don't think I don't think it's Thomas. I don't know. Pete's just being dramatic cuz he's mad he's by himself. Um, but he's gotten Sunny out of her corner, so that's also what you heard. Um, I want to give an update. I am incredibly impressed with Toledo Police. Incredibly impressed and I feel like they deserve a shout out. Officer Bates, um, Sergeant Kurgin, and there was another gentleman, I don't know their name, after we interviewed them a couple weeks ago and found out their recruitment ideas and how Wait, they Alex, were... hold on one second. Sorry. Huh? Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My boss no. is leaving. So uh, this Thomas project is going really well. It's going really well, and I'm just extremely impressed. So the recruiting team, you know, I mentioned it briefly on the podcast, and they went out of their way to email me and went out of their way to meet with Thomas. Officer Bates continues to keep a relationship with myself and Thomas just to see how he's doing so that we can get him into that recruitment class. I cannot explain how impressed I am with the Toledo Police Department for doing that. They, I feel like they listened to me in that conversation and like going the extra mile um, to ensure that there's good people on the force. I'm very, um, I'm very happy with it and I feel like they deserve all the acknowledgement in the world for that. Uh, a thousand percent. This summer has been a challenge for me because I my my, my social values are on one side, mm-hmm. um, and, and and we need to talk about uh, a lot of the, the the bad apples or or the bad behavior by a very small amount of police who have an outsized mm-hmm. uh, weighing on the reputation of police here and all over. But I also mm-hmm. greatly support RTPD from um, Chief Crawl to my old neighbor Hassan to these two dudes who have been great. Uh, my friend uh, Officer Dungeon. So it's it's been. Not that it's any kind of moral challenge for me, but I try to be as delicate as I can while supporting the hell out of TPD and also saying that we gotta we gotta zip up this bad behavior. And good for uh, these two officers; um, they've got a high value get in a fine black man such as Thomas. And <laughs> I don't know what, what kind of athlete Thomas is, but he seems like he'd be like a good cleanup hitter for the TPD softball team. He is not an athlete by any, not at all. He's, he's just not a sports person. Um, but he has also, he's always gotten feedback cause he's such a like big, scary looking dude that he's like, you know, we need you on the, t- on the force. We need you on the team. We need you on our side. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for him in this journey. I am really hoping that we get a TPD officer in our household. I feel like that would be amazing for Thomas and his life. And I mean, the Toledo police have just shown us that working for their working for them is just invaluable. So um, I just felt like they deserved a shout out 100% for that. It's a, it's a small bonus, but if he can get into the academy, he can walk there. 
<laughs> he can he can get a bike yeah. and ride it i mean it's a kind of a dangerous road though i mean people go like 70 miles per hour on it i know it's just, it's just very close and like getting to where they are at owens is never convenient at least not for yeah, me yeah yeah for you guys and i always tell him like we always find it sketchy like i always tell him like don't don't be walking around the neighborhood with your hood up don't do that don't look scary look friendly so right. i'd rather him drive <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully this this perked up my mood a little bit. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better. I am. I'm glad that we I'm glad we went ahead and did it. I feel like we talked about some good stuff. All right. Uh, we'll chat tomorrow. We'll talk to our crazy astrologer lady. Ooh, sounds good. Bye. Bye.